We are illustrators as much as we are painters, as tattooers, and as artists who are vibing with people. I mean, you're putting a mark on them forever. We forget that this is a service and also a privilege. Welcome back to Creative How, the podcast for curious creatives. Sean, today we've got Jackie Saber, a tattoo artist who I think arguably is, is the most passionate creative we've had on the show so far. We also learned that getting a tattoo is probably one of the most personal creative experiences you can have. You'll see what we mean when you listen to the episode. Jackie, thank you for being here and welcome to Creative How. Thank you for having me. We really, really were excited about this. We think that your craft is something that's somewhat mysterious to people and also really, really compelling. So we're excited, but I wanted to start the whole thing with um, probably a really hard question. What is your favorite tattoo ever? Either one that you tattooed on someone or one that you have yourself. Well, I think the, my favorite tattoo that I have on me is my sleeve, my left sleeve, and it's created by Dana Helmuth. He's a friend of mine and also a fellow tattooer. And uh, the significance of the meaning of the tattoo is pretty significant to me. Um, it's got your standard Japanese snake, lotus kind of sleeve with some water. Nice metaphor for ascension and transformation and the mortality of the body. Wow. All done in traditional Japanese style. How long did that take? Well, when I started, I was young and in college and poor. So it took about three years in the <laughs> making, you know. How long would it have taken now? Mm, if I could go every month. Oh, wow. <sighs> I would probably say it would probably take about a year or less, just depending on how much you sit. You know, it's like, do you sit eight hours? Do you sit four? Do right. you sit seven? So let's set some context right now. Mm -hmm. Jed has tattoos. Sean yeah. does not have tattoos. So I'm, I'm coming at this from a total rookie, newbie, unfamiliar standpoint. And I apologize if I'm oh, no worries. Fantastic. talking. So I'm going to be that for our audience. I'm going to be for the folks that don't know the first thing about tattoos other than how they show up, the process and everything. I'm coming at it from that standpoint. You're Mr. Familiar, obviously would, old I mean, pro guy. I mean, I would, I don't know about <laughs> that, but the whole sitting thing is like, I think it would be interesting. So you're uh, creating something for someone and you're placing it on their body. And you just mentioned how long is it, how long someone's willing to sit? Does mm -hmm. it really come down to that? Yeah, it can. Absolutely. Um, you know, I have, I have clients that can sit for 45 minutes who can book for four hours and I have people that can sit for eight, nine hours. It just depends on their day and how they're doing physically, mentally, you know? Right. Right. What about you? Oh, I used to be able to sit for like seven, eight hours. Now I'm like, we're good at four. We're good. You know, <laughs> unless we can finish it in one session. I'm, I'm all about finishing something in one session. Right. But I, I have a lot of things I need to fix on my body because, you know, tattooing in the 90s and we don't always make the best decision when we're young. So <laughs> I got a lot of redos and some cover-ups. So we've got some work ahead of me. Wow. That's so perpetual. Talk to us about cover-ups versus like original art. Like is how's that split between, I'm sure you're not the only person making right wrongs. <laughs> yes. Cover-ups. Ooh, I need so many myself. So, you know, it's okay that we all make mistakes and we learn from them, but you know, good news is, is we can get them covered up or removed. 
and then cover it up again. So I have several cover-ups I need, but I also specialize in tattoo cover-ups. Um, I saw the need, you know, I started coming on, like not doing too many until I got familiar with my craft. But then after about five, six years of tattooing, I really saw a, a resurgence in the need for larger cover-up work and scar treatments and such things. And I really just kind of threw myself into it. Like, I, cause I like a challenge. It was kind of like, Ooh, this is an underpainting. What can I do with it? It's like art school. It's like, what's underneath? How do I make it something else? And I really like that challenge of it and that transformative aspect to like tattooing to like to heal someone who has a something they just not don't love anymore or have outgrown or maybe they just made a bad decision one night and just decided why not and then completely regretted it 20 years later. Well, that's what I'm here for, to like mm. give you a second chance and not, you know, not everything is permanent. A tattoo lasts as long as you do. So cover up to the best. Wow. And that's a good segue, actually. Let's back up a little bit. You have a more of a traditional art background and whether that's common or not, I don't know. Maybe you can speak to that and it, do all tattoo artists having gone to a very prestigious art school. I don't know if that's a common thing. I, I think tattooers um, start in their own way in this craft, kind of uh, uh, in an organic way. Um, I mean, some some people don't know that they're going to be tattooers, and some people f always have known, and some people fall into the craft because of who who you know who taught them, or maybe a family member is in the craft already. Um, so coming from a traditional art school background, I didn't know I wanted to be a tattooer. I just knew I wanted to be an artist and make art and. I kind of fell in love with tattooing when I went to the Maryland Institute College of Art in Baltimore, and I have a Bachelor's of Fine Arts and a Master's of Fine Arts from there as well. And I went to the Mount Royal School, Mount Royal School of Art there. So basically, what do you do when you go to college? The first thing you do is you go get a tattoo. It's like freedom, you know? It's like we're in art school, we're getting tattoos, this is me. So we went on down to the Baltimore Tattoo Museum where I got my first tattoo. Wow. And I was basically hooked from then on, like it, it was, it was a great experience. Um, I got a tattoo for uh, a best friend that passed away in, in memory of him, of my best friend, Jason. And, you know, they were wonderful there. And it kind of just hooked me like the smell of like a tattoo shop. Like it's kind of a mystery, like back in the nineties, it's just traditional street shop. And it smells like Dettol and green soap and there's coil machines buzzing. And it was just like amazing. And I, I I was hooked ever since. And so that's the whole vibe of the experience, not necessarily just the art on your skin right. is what hooked you. Oh yeah. It was everything about it. The smell. Um, we were in the city. It was my first experience in the city. I, you know, I grew up in um, Pennsylvania in a royal town, small town atmosphere. So, you know, here comes Baltimore. It's like, whoa, street lights, traffic, all the things. <laughs> so it sounds incredible, pavement. Actually. It sounds yeah. awesome. Um, so you're in school and what were you studying and why? And then this is a three-parter. What were you studying? Why? And what did you think you were going to do after that? Well, I always knew I wanted to be an artist. And uh, it's funny because when I was in high school and, you know, getting out of high school and going into college, my dad always thought, you know, honey, you'd be a really great tattoo artist. And I thought, oh, dad. I can't tattoo a perfect circle on someone. Do you know how hard that is to do on a piece of paper? And uh, he just kind of chuckled. He's like, well, I think you're up for it. He's like, you're already asking for piercings. And I know you're going to want one one day. And you've, you know, you're, you like my tattoo. So um, we kind of just joked about it on yeah. and off. And then uh, I got into uh, art school, went on study painting. Um, and then after that, I went on to graduate school. 
Um, and that was something that I, I figured I would use my education to also teach because I had a love of teaching and I love teaching all ages. And that's why I, at first, that's what I thought I would do is like, you know, you go to college, you get a teaching job, you share your, your love of art with the world and kind of, you know, my teachers inspired me to be creative and be a better person and do all those things. So I wanted to, you know, keep doing that. And then, then you, you're in school and you're trying to find ways of expression. And then, and then what happens when you get out of school? Well, you don't necessarily always get that teaching job. So as an artist, you got to think, what can I do? What is important to me? What inspires me? How do I get into this world and make money and, and figure this out, but still maintain integrity and not sell your soul to the, like the commercial aspect of the art world that kind of sucks you know, the life out of you sometimes when you're, when you're, and where am I going to, where's this going to come from? Right. How do I stay creative? How do I make the money? How do I make my work? Yep. Well, so I decided to, well, through graduate school, I worked for the, the department of exhibitions and I became an art handler. So while doing that and, you know, teaching on the side and teaching workshops and doing, you know, programs like Maryland Institute's pre-college program, you get a job, you know, working, running those programs and, working in those departments. And, and so I stayed in the art world that way while also getting tattooed. So we're slowly right. getting more money. We're getting tattooed. We're getting all this creative influence. And my paintings started influencing my creativity with like my love of tattooing. And they kind of melded and kind of overlapped in the patterns and, you know, the sacred geometry and the, the meanings. And I kind of just fell in love with it all, like all at the same time. So, and I didn't know why I was painting or what I was drawn to, but then we, you go out into the real world and go, okay, I need to make a, need to make a living doing this somehow. And organically, I kind of, oddly enough, I got injured while I was an art handler and I tore my ACL and I fractured my tibia. My God. One of my good friends that I grew up with named Justin um, went to California and he was apprenticing as a tattoo apprentice in San Jose at a really great shop. We lost touch for about 10 years. We connected. And I was like, what are you doing with yourself? He's like, I'm actually tattooing. And then this is amazing. I thought, wow, I just got my first half sleeve. And I, I'm already hooked. And he's like, oh, what if, let me show you all your early tattoos. We got a bunch of tattoos. We're all looking at him. He's like, wow. He's like, what are you going to do with that? I'm like, well, I'm trying to find teaching jobs. And I'm working at the museum. And I'm doing art handling. And I'm kind of hurt right now. So can't really teach. I say, it would really be nice if I had something else to fill my time with if I can't return to this job. Right. Mm -hmm. So I kind of fell into tattooing that way. He said, well, you're like the best artist I know. You've always supported me. You're my friend. If you ever want to learn, I will help you get into this craft. And he gave me some pointers and kind of set me loose. And I went to Maryland and found an apprenticeship and started in a little street shop. And the rest is, you know, started to lay out for me. And I just kind of Worked and did that and taught and learned as tattooing and worked in the museum. You know, by night, you'd, you'd work all those day jobs. You'd come home, get ready, go right to the apprenticeship, you know, stay there till 10, midnight, whenever they wanted you to leave. And then you get up and you do it again. Yeah, I wanted to flag something there because I think it's an interesting word you used, craft. Mm. You have some strong opinions because we were talking off air about the craft of tat tattooing. Yes. Can you just maybe go into that a little bit because I think it's important to set up your point of view and who you are as an artist and, and your point of view of this whole industry. Well, I think a lot of times um, uh, young artists forget where, where you started. So it's important in any discipline of art, whether it's tattooing, painting, fine art, tattooing, anything really, to know where it started and know your history, not to get in it because it looks cool, 
So with the rise of all these um, tattoo shows has definitely given popularity and more of like has lifted the curtain, so to speak, behind, you know, what's going on in the tattoo world. But it also casts this whole other shadow of this contrived kind of scene that isn't really authentic and, you know, is, is a whole different side of that. And that's more of the commercial side and like where they, you know, you have the conventions and you have like the TV shows and you have all those things. And that's one thing. And that's great because it, it brings people, you know, from a common worldview everywhere. It kind of brings it into this generalized forum. But at the same time, it it's one of those things where the craft of tattooing also is either left behind or considered. And I think it's important that you know your history. And a lot of people talk about a tattoo industry, like the conventions and the money and, you know, you know, fancy shops and all, you know, cars and all the things. And, oh, I'm tattooing magazines. You know, that's great. But at the heart of it is, is why are you making it? What are you, what are you doing it for? And so tattooing is a craft. It's a sacred thing. It's a mark that has been put on people's skin, humans, for centuries. And we need to know what that is and what that's about. And I think it's important to start there first. And not everyone does. And, and respect we, it. And respect it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's really important. I think, you know, just the research we've done with you, you take this stuff very, very seriously. And, and there's a lot of meaning in, in behind your artwork and everything, which I think is really, really cool. And I don't think I've ever, you know, again, what little I know about the industry, again, I took that for granted. I, I'm the person that sees the shows on whatever network, the reality shows and things like that. And I do have a weird skew, which is why I was like, we were excited. And I personally was excited to talk to you because I did want to find what are the real, uh, like real stories, real experiences? And, I, and we have a lot, have a ton of questions, but I think it's good that you frame that up for the audience. Can I ask like a related question sort of mm -hmm. about the, if there is such a thing as the, the tattoo community, right? So within Baltimore, for example, there are quite a few shops mm -hmm. and um, there are also famous shops in New York, LA, wherever else. And you could follow them on Instagram. There's TV shows is the community a welcoming happy community or is it like a judgmental community that sort of says this, that, and the other thing about that shop or that TV show or et cetera? I, I think there's definitely like, um, um, a kind of two ways of looking at it. Um, like more of an old school mentality and more like a newer perspective. And I think, um, neither one, uh, Every perspective is different, right? So in terms of that, like every state is different. Everybody has their tattoo community and everybody has the first shops of where um, in their area where people started tattooing. So what I think happens is what's important for people to understand is tattooing came out of almost, you know, not, it wasn't always legal. It came out of um, a very seedy kind of environment where, you know, there weren't a lot of tattooers doing it. Um, so in, you know, some of the first tattooers in Maryland, that were tattooing, you know, Good Time Charlie's and you have the Baltimore Tattoo Museum and you have Saints and Sinners and you have all these shops, right? But right now, and in, in I'd say tattooing has become a little oversaturated, like everywhere. Um, so I think it's important that we all start looking at the first shops that were opened because those people really um, fought for their right to tattoo, to make those things legal, to have laws in place, to have, you know, bloodborne pathogens training certifications, um, the right um, zoning, um, 
a lot of times that, that that's overlooked. So that wasn't always legal. So tattooing was something that was like made from, you know, the streets and kind of taken from the Navy and sailing and, you know, all those things. And it comes from that, that port history of tattooing and, you know, when there wasn't as much safety regulations, but over the years we have come to be a regulated thing. And I think that every community is welcoming if you know the right um, people and if you honor the tradition and you go into the, to all the shops and you kind of look around and see who's doing it. I, th- I think there is a small knit community in Baltimore. And I think all those shops that are succeeding and have been doing it for a long time, know each other, know who they are and respect each other. And there is a kind of thing that happens if you, if you want to come onto the scene, there, there's enough shops. You know, if you really love tattooing, you should start at those shops and see what you can bring to that and start there. And, um, and then, you know, the people who open up shops, fly by night with, you know, one to two years experience or have never done it before. I don't agree with that. I don't think it's, I don't think it helps um, because there's a lot of shops, right? So then we all don't make as much money. And then we all kind of, you know, what do you bring to the craft? Are you, are you elevating it? Are you honoring your history? Are you, are you studying it? Are you studying with people that really like it and love it? And it's not just, it's not a job. It's a lifestyle. Like it consumes you on all the good and the bad ways that art can consume you. Tattooers work so hard, just like artists. You know, the, we, we sacrifice a lot for our, for our craft, our time drawing and painting and tattooing. It's backbreaking work. And if you do that for years, you, you feel it. So it's important that we honor the traditions and not many young tattooers these days know who started in their neighborhood. So I encourage every single young tattooer middle age tattooer and all to, to learn your history, to know where, where your tattooing started in your hometown, in your state, so that we all can bring this history together and not forget the history because guys, it's, it's vanishing. We're losing tattooers and we're losing that history. And we, we need to add to this craft. Really? You're losing tattooers? Well, I mean, you the mean, older generation is dying, sure, you know, sure. like Lyle Tuttle just passed away. Um, you know, all the greats, you know, there's so many good tattooers that, you know, are, are still alive in tattooing that, you know, not many people know of. And all these people have been t- breaking their backs, you know, making this right. industry and craft what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and we forget about those old school tattooers that have been doing it 20 some years and, and should be respected. Absolutely. And I, as a young tattooer, I didn't always know, but I, I try to learn as much as possible. And that's what I love about the museum because where I work at the tattoo museum, it's a tattoo museum. We have history from right. all around the Maryland, Virginia, DC area. We, we care about this craft. They want to, they want to preserve it. Um, the art that's still around the people that are still around machines, everything, how it's made. It's really important. And I think we all owe our, owe our craft that to, to learn and preserve it for the future generations. I think that's really well said. And your, your passion is evident. I mean, so Absolutely. well done. I mean, when did somebody, when you were a young tattooer, did they break that down? Like you're breaking it down for the audience like that? You know, I wish I could. I, I, I learned from a lot of right. what not to do. Right. Isn't that um, how it goes? I learned from <laughs> friends um, telling me um, stories, horror stories of what they went through during mm-hmm. their apprenticeships. I learned from other tattooers that um, I worked with and their stories. Um, 
and you, t- you talk to shop owners and you see, you just, you, you know, you learn from conventions. I've met a lot of wonderful people at the tattoo conventions. They are a great way to get your name out there and travel and not be, you know, nesting in your shop, so to speak. And that why that's great and all, if, if you do want to see the world, that's a great way to do it. Um, and it's a great way to see what's out there as an artist. Um, so there's good and bad points to all of that, like kind of commercial open thing where, you know, are you doing it for, are you tattooing for the love of it? Or are you doing it for the ink sponsorship or the needle sponsorship? Are you Man. doing it for the Instagram followers? Does it matter? It doesn't matter how many Instagram followers we have, guys. What matters is if you are doing the best you can every day, putting all your heart into it, knowing you're doing it for the right reasons and you're helping people. We forget, we provide a service. We are illustrators as much as we are painters, as tattooers and as artists who are vibing with people. I mean, you're putting a mark on them forever. We forget that this is a service and also a privilege as well as it is for them to wear the, what we do. And so it's a give and a take. It's a real, it's a trust fall kind of a way with an artist yeah. and, and a tattooer. That, you know? That's really interesting. Like, cause when you showed us your first sleeve and you, you obviously credited the artist. Yeah. Is that a thing that I'm, I'm saying you guys, <laughs> Do you remember the artist that did each and every one? Oh, Do you know yes. their name? Absolutely. Uh, I I know two names. Okay, out of the three, that just it never occurred to me. Like like you got this so and so and so. It's almost you're you're collecting artwork as your own personal gallery almost. And I never really thought of it that way. Maybe that was a really obvious thing, but I I don't know. I think I will always remember my first tattoo. My first tattoo was done by Chris Keaton at the Baltimore Tattoo Museum. So, but I, so you remember every name for everything? Oh, absolutely. On there? The other question. A lot of questions. Sorry, right. going, dude. That's that's what are, it's all about. Are are you are it, what you put on your body? Have you designed? Oh, so, so this is the thing. Everything's every, <laughs> that's the question I have. I'm always like, because I am poor man's artist. I'm graphic mm. designer. You don't really call them artists. Um, <laughs> you appreciate but, that. <laughs> well, who are we kidding? I'm awesome. Uh, no, but I, whatever I'd put on my body, I, I always felt like that if it's something I I do it for a living, I would I should be able to do the thing that goes on me. Well, can we, let me just add something to that, Jackie, so you can, Sure. this is going to be a big answer, I think. Okay. So Sean asked you about your own yeah. work, your own tattoos, but I'm interested in expanding that into, you know, you obviously are super, super, super imaginative and do original artwork, but you have clients come to you with a vision in their head. Mm-hmm. So to Sean's point, how do you, um, service them in terms of helping them make it great versus, um, you know, doing exactly what they want and how does your own work influence that? That's a really good question. And this might be a long answer. So I'll it's try okay. to break it down. It's a long as, question. As long as she answers my question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, here's the thing. Um, I have, um, for my second or third tattoo came with a sketch from an artist and, um, he looked at it and it was, it was Celtic. And he's like, did you draw this? I said, yes, I did. He goes, okay, it needs to be bigger. He says, I'll clean it up a bit, but I think we can use this. And where it was, of course we could, you know. So that being said, another time I also drew something up because, you know, I'm a fine artist, not a tattooer yet. Oh. There's a difference. There's a different aesthetic. Um, I drew it up, take it in and they're saying, I want to get this. And he sits back and goes, okay, well, that's not really going to work as a tattoo. The idea is great, but that particular drawing, we can we can fit that in a different way on your arm to make that more, you know, 
the idea more cohesive. And then he went on to explain scale and how big it needed to be because it has to be a certain size because a tattoo wears on your body and changes over time. So I, what I recommend, I, because I made the mistake, y'all, I recommend that you don't draw your first, second, third, fourth, fifth, or sixth tattoo because here's why. As an artist, you're constantly changing and improving. You're constantly revising and getting better. So it's easier for you, I think, to see some artist that created the artwork on your body. You love it in the moment. That's going to be easier to accept and live with than something that you drew yourself and are constantly knowing that you can improve upon. Oh, that's really nice when I was 14, but at 28, I could do that a lot better, right? So why would we put that on our body? Because we don't know. The tattooer knows the best because we have to talk about how it's going to look in 20 years. You're still going to be around. Holy shit. That, that's really obvious. That's, I never thought of it that way. I, I mean, I, I'm, I mean, I can't I, look at things I've done a year ago. And being like that on. was, and if you're not considering <laughs> that, then you get something on wow. your upper thigh that looks awesome. Never when you're about thought 19, of that. And then when you're a little older than that, it seems like it's really blotchy. Everybody has subjective opinions. Wow. So your, your art level isn't always as good as you think it is either. Um, and there's only been like maybe two or three people over the years that have going to have got like their tattoo idea solidified standard idea. Perfect. Come with me to a drawing. I want this, exactly this. I drew this. There has been one, maybe two or three times where I've actually not changed it mm. in any way or had to do anything to it. Sometimes that's just scale. I also think that you go to an artist, you want to, you're purchasing artwork, just like you would purchase on right. your wall right. or a sculpture. You're going to be wearing this for your, the rest of your, you know, the days that you're living. So I recommend that you find an artist whose style that you love, all of it. You, you want to find a painter that you like or a tattooer that you like, then you like all their artwork. So the best thing to do is come with them with your idea because you're asking them to create your vision. So however they believe that they can create it for you as best as it can live on your skin and last as long is, is probably a pretty good standard measure to, to listen to. Because like I said before, um, it's... It, it will look different 20, 30 years, depending on what style you're doing. And right. just because it looks good on paper doesn't mean it translates to skin. There is such thing as collagen, weight gain, weight loss. You lose elasticity in your skin. You have babies. You make poor decisions. You need cover-ups, all the things. It's best that you give your artist creative control because they can give you things that you never interpreted or believed before. <laughs> and then when that can set your, your imagination on fire and say, I like all these things. And then they can say, how can I incorporate it? That's where you leave the compositional structure to the artist because, like I said, someone says, oh, I want this sleeve and I want to incorporate all these things about my life in it. And they might want to incorporate 10 or 15 things, but we got to pare it down to three to five, right. you know, because it has to fit in a space on the body. So it's my job to kind of ask questions and see what's the most important thing so that we can in incorporate this and that in the best way possible compositionally. And a lot of times we draw that on or we draw it from a stencil or we do a drawing or it's drawing on skin. Right. So, I mean, with that in mind, my assumption is that a lot of the practice that you might do would be on yourself, but maybe that's wrong. So tell me whether or not, whether or not that's right. But also when are you ready to be the person who someone says, what should I do? And then you, you tattoo them. Like, how do you know you're ready to be a professional? Well, like the, be the best way to go about it is getting a proper apprenticeship at a, at a proper shop. Um, one who's going to, um, 
teach you, take it seriously, and one that you can invest your time into. That meaning, um, it's very difficult to get into an apprenticeship because you're going to have to be there day in and day out when they say, if you want to learn the ropes. So if you have a full-time job and you're going to grad school and you want to dabble in tattooing on the side, this is not, this is not the trade for you, friends. Keep going to college, go, go teach, go do your thing. Leave the tattooing to the tattooers. This is something, like I said, it takes over your entire life in, in, a, in an amazing way. Um, it's, not, it's not a trade or a craft for weekend warriors right. in a hotel room. This is, this is people's bodies. You are putting them at risk. when they're, it's, a, it's, it's a blood-borne pathogen thing. You know, it, there's blood. It's, it's almost like a medical procedure. You know, you're opening skin. You have to know all of that. You have to know how to heal it. You have to know, you have to be mindful of the person, their energy, how they're taking care of themselves, how they're reacting while you're doing it. All these things come into play. For the guests listening, we have an outline and it's very hard to follow it. We are all I have over like, the place. I have so many questions that are coming up. We are too hard on ourselves because I think we're checking in a roundabout nah, way. We are, we're but, hopping, hopping around, but- I just conversations. Have a lot of follow-up questions. Yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> the, 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 one, the one I had was, how do you move to humans? When, when, when do you know? <laughs> well, I, every, I don't know else the every, phrase. <laughs> every apprenticeship's different. I mean, a, a lot of people, are, you're not even considered a professional tattoo artist, probably until you've been in working in the craft for about five years or more. Hmm. Um, some people have a three-year apprenticeship. Some tattoo families in Japan have a lifelong apprenticeship, 25 years, something like that. It's very different in the United States. So if you're in Japan, it's like more of like tattoo, you know, family where it's a tradition where you're part of that. Every, everyone in the world does it differently. But um, after you, some apprenticeships take a year, some take two. It depends on who you're studying with and when they say you're ready. There's no magic number. It's if you put in the work and you listen and you learn and you, you tattoo on your friends and you tattoo on there's fake skins and you know, you get, you get your friends to volunteer with the disclaimer, like, Hey, I'll give you a cover up in the future. Anyone here can fix this. Um, right. So while you're learning, you, you find your, 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 your willing participants. And I mean, you can tattoo yourself. I don't always recommend doing that hmm. unless it's in a spot where you really know you can cover it up. I mean, you should know what you're, you know, putting people through. And if you're getting tattooed, you should know that. Right. Also, I think it's important to say, I think it's important that tattoo artists have tattoos. I think they need to know what it's like to get them. And if you're going into the tattoo craft and you have no tattoos, I think that's ridiculous. And I think that that's something that maybe people need to learn. Is that a real thing? Oh, I, it's happened. Yeah, definitely. So I think that if yeah. people need to get tattooed, you need to know what it's like to feel it, to get it, to heal it. You know what I mean? So yeah. it, there, it's, it's a thing. Um, sometimes, or they may have like one or two and you're like, hmm. that's shocking. It kind of is weird, isn't it? <laughs> or they may only have a few, but you know, apprenticing is such a thing. There's no, it, there's no right answer. I, I, you know, when you start, it's if you're pulling clean lines and the people around you say, okay, you're ready. Start off small, do some walk-ins, you know, put in the time. It's important that people learn how to do walk-ins and, and really put their ego um, check their ego at the door. When you first tattoo, you think, oh, I can't wait till I get to do all my custom stuff and stuff that I only want to do. Well, that takes 10 years or more. It takes hard work and you developing. You don't get to do your thing right out of the gate. And if you think you're going to at right out of an apprenticeship, there's the door, friends. That, again, same thing. 
it's important to learn street shop mentality and that you you have you do what comes through the door. Again, we're providing a service and not everybody wants a sleeve. Sometimes someone wants a small word or a date or a number or a little triangle and you don't know the significance of that tattoo. It may not be the best tattoo you've ever done. It may not be the most exciting thing, but it may mean everything to that person. Hmm. It may have so much meaning that you they can't even put into words. So it's not for us to judge small versus big, meaning versus not. If you want a tattoo because you like the way it looks and you think you'll enjoy that, by all means put it on you, but just think about it. Right. You know, if if you want, you know, a small tattoo, you can get it. If you only want one, get it. You probably won't only get one. Maybe you might, but it's not our job to judge. Right. You know, That's, all work has meaning. It sounds like there's like a, some sort of underlying upselling culture that you're against. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of people think that um, one day you'll just magically arrive where you only get to do custom work. And I think it's really important that you stay in touch with the grassroots of tattooing, that you do make yourself accessible um, to people because that's how you keep growing your your clientele. Because if you're constantly like, oh, well, I'm booked out for a year, then you lose a lot of those people So you, or find a way to make it accessible for them. Like maybe, um, you know, so, and it's great that people work really hard and they're booked out because I've definitely been down those roads and have to say um, to people, well, it'll be a little bit of a wait, but let me see if I can get you on my day off. That that was a very common thing for me to work like all my days off so that I could not turn people down or they wouldn't have to wait. Um, but now, now I do walk-ins every first and third Saturday. So it allows walk-ins, small tattoos, new clients that I can do. Well, I still have my appointments for my sleeve work or back pieces or body suits or what have you. But, you know, I like doing it all. I, I, I never want to do just one style. I don't have a style. I, I will tattoo anything that comes off the street. Some of the best people I've ever met, the coolest people are walk-in tattoos that I didn't plan on doing. Amazing people, the best stories. You know, I, it doesn't matter what you do. I'm just grateful to be doing it and putting art on people and bonding and learning and from them and meeting them. It's really interesting that you said, you started talking about styles and there's a lot of artists out there who definitely do have styles and they specialize in certain things. And mm -hmm. um, what I find really interesting in doing some of the research on you is, you know, we've been able to see some of your painting and some other artwork and also obviously tattoos that you've done. Yeah. But you, you, you can't describe your style like of, of tattooing in particular. I mean, I can describe some things I feel like I, I enjoy doing. Okay. More than others. Um, I really enjoy sacred geometry, um, uh, Japanese style tattooing, uh, dot work style tattooing, um, sacred geometry, meaning mandalas, um, geometry that is related to the frequency and vibration of our earth, our planet and our universe. Um, I do enjoy that. I do enjoy um, botanical pieces, anything floral, anything from nature. I love crystals. I, I love all the earthy nature stuff. I guess I'm a hippie at heart. I love Van Gogh tattoos. I mean, it's hard to tattoo a painting. I think it's easier to paint a painting than to tattoo a painting. Mm. I think there is a real disconnect there for some tattooers and um, and artists alike. And I, I think it's a challenge, but I think that those two don't always marry up right quite well when it comes to a tattoo. 
Um, but I love the challenge of trying to make that happen within reason because you want it to look good in 20 years. You don't want to yeah. have a blob of Da Vinci's Last Supper on your back. Like if you're going to do it, scale is key, y'all. <laughs> you know? Right, right. So what about um, influences and how you've evolved over time? Um, you know, you've talked a lot about um, Japanese style um, tattooing. You've talked about different types of... Um, painting and just referencing actual painting paintings that people have asked you to do. What have been your influences over the last couple, I guess, decades at this point? My influence as an artist, I'm not going to, I can't separate paint, painting and tattooing. Um, uh, I bet I, I can tell you how they all inf influence the act of making art. Um, I think my greatest influences are the, the Renaissance painters um, and architects, um, People who know how to draw. Um, so any, you know, anything of Da Vinci is very important to my artwork. Um, the sacred geometry of that, connecting all the t thoughts of ideology from fine art to science to spirit and all the things in between. Um, learning how to draw and paint is very important because I also inf informs tattooing. Tattooing is like painting on skin. It's like using your needles, needles or brushes, brushes or needles, same thing. So I think my influences are, you know, the rebels, I guess, of the bunch, the Vincent van Gogh, um, you know, Caravaggio, Rembrandt, um, paint, painters, there's so many, you know, um, abstract expressionists, um, fine art, uh, abstract landscape painters. I love all of them. Uh, Johannes Vermeer, um, a lot of the botanical prints and etchings, um, woodcut artists, Japanese woodblock prints are just amazing for space. Um, and this is for tattooing. This is painting. I mean, we're, we're talking about the elements and the principles. It's all there. The shape, the space, the time, the history, all of it is, is like informing the process of how you see the geometry because sacred geometry is present in all cultures. And I, through painting, I realized I was always researching Japanese. Arabic, Indian, Chinese, Japanese. Well, researching all of these led me to see the similarities and the consistencies in geometry that in all cultures, in all religions, this geometry is ever present through many paradigm shifts and shifts in consciousness through humanity. It's been one of the things that many artists have been talking about, painting about, writing about this mystery of unlocking what art is and how we see it in the world and what color is and how we see this in the world. And what does that mean? So like in as far as tattooing, my greatest influence is, you know, I, I love, um, oh, the Japanese is, is for foremost, um, Philip Liu, the Liu family, um, yeah, we're going back to, you know, who started tattooing, like <laughs> traditional tattooing. I love, 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 love um, for so many reasons. Um, you know, you have Ed Hardy, you have Mike Malone, you have, you know, Kate Hellenbrand. You have so many people. I, Lyle Tuttle. Um, there's there's just so many tattooers um, out there for different styles that I, you know, admire their craft. Um black and gray tattoo portrait artist. You know, there's, there's so many. Jack Rudy is one of my inspirations. Um, I really love Shige for a Japanese tattooer who's more traditional. Um, Hiroshige for woodblock prints. I mean, you have Horiyoshi. I mean, you have all these things. And then that's just the fine art. And I'm not even everything in Japanese tattooing. I love 
like every family, um, you know, all of it is just beautiful to me. And I, I love all of them and I love learning about it. Um, I really like, you know, some black work tattooers out there who are just using black. Um, I think there's some exciting things being done in like Spain and Germany and Amsterdam and Rome. And there's just, tattooing's a free for all. And like every style is like out there. Um, so I don't know. I love all of it. It's hard to really. It's a lot of reference, Jackie. Wow. You're going to, the show lot, notes are going to be. Post podcast research. Yeah. yeah going to happen here. Yeah. That was incredible. Have any of those folks that are still living, have you met any of them? Have you been starstruck and like almost celebrity status? Oh, those folks? Yeah. Um, I, I, I really love the artwork of Alex and Alison Gray and I got to take a workshop with them, um, you know, uh, drawing the light body. Um, and he's very active in the tattoo world and community as artists. And they, those worlds kind of mesh Alex Gray and Allison kind of bring that together a little bit. Um, and so I'm very inspired by their work and I got to meet them. And that was probably like a highlight because he's it's just a brilliant artist and artistic mind of, of what's going on in the pulse of like sacred art, spiritual art, right. all these things. Um, yeah, I mean, I've definitely met some, you know, I, I did get to meet Lyle Tuttle. Uh, my friend Josh introduced him to me before um, in Vegas about 10 years ago when I was just like a noob at tattooing mm -hmm. and I got to meet him. So that was a really special moment for me is to meet, meet Lyle. And that was the same tattoo convention where I met Kate Hellenbrand. And I've since, you know, seen her in conventions since, and she's been tattooing, you know, with Ed Hardy and right. all those guys in California. Well, I was just going to say any game. of these folks that you then get a tattoo from. I, I got a tattoo from Scott um, Sterling in Virginia. I have not gotten a tattoo from Kate yet, but one day maybe. Um, but, you know, as far as like the greats, it just... You got to travel to a convention well, to get tattooed by them now, or they're a shop. If they're in a shop and they're still working, you got to go visit them in their little shop. Right. So, I mean, I'm going to be play my naive card here. So not only are you traveling to their shop, I would think price wise, you're paying good money for, for, for who they are because they, they command the talent commands the, you know, the, the sort of the fee, I guess, or the price. Well, How does that work? I think sometimes ego demands the price really mm. when it comes to tattooing, not necessarily like the hourly rate. Everybody has a different rate. How long you've been doing it as opposed to what you should charge and what you shouldn't, um, you know, what's inflated, what's not. And I think that comes with experience. I think there's a lot of cats out there that can do it really well and have experience um, that can put a proficient tattoo on that think because they can do that, that they should charge outrageous amounts. But, you know, how long have you been doing it? You know, like, is there, is there another shop down the street that can put that tattoo on just as well? And a kind of thing. And um, so it's a hard question, you know, because there's so many good tattooers out there. And there's a lot of not good tattooers out there. So you have a whole spectrum. So I think if you want to find people that are still tattooing, you can, you can go to the conventions, but also, that's a very small spectrum of what's out there. So I think that that's, it's important, but I also think it's important to travel to the shops and get out in the world and see these people, meet them in their shops. A convention is so, um, it's, there's a lot of people. There's a lot, it's, it's almost like a flea market of tattooing. A lot of people talk you down on price. They forget that you have to fly there or maybe drive there, buy a hotel room. You have to pay for your booth, all the food. And they're trying to, you know, get their best deal possible. Well, it's not a flea market. It's a tattoo convention. It's not there for that. 
Some people fly from another country and spend six to $10,000 to have their experience tattooing. So don't talk him down if he says that peony is going to cost $500 because he came from Japan to do it. You know what I mean? So there's, yeah. it's a difference mm. if you're traveling, you know, 20 minutes down the street or if you're flying there or having to go, you know, I've done international conventions where you're just doing mock-ups because how do you, you can't book appointments, right. you know, necessarily all the time abroad if you're going. So that's just a whole new experience where you just go right. and have fun and just see, and you, you just get to tattoo whoever walks up and that's lovely. I love that. It's the best. So Jackie, I, what I wonder about a little bit is, you know, in your downtime, which it sounds like you don't have much of, but are you, you know, sketching and creating pieces of art that you're offering up to people or is it always a conversation with somebody who is a client and needs something? How does that go? Oh, it's different every time. So I'm constantly creating things um, that I would like to tattoo all the time, whether it's a painting or it's a sketch or it's on, you know, in my sketchbook or it's on my iPad. I got both guys, Ooh, you know, nice paper and pen, sharpies and red pencils all day. I'm, I'm a fan. I also have an iPad. We're in both camps. We got a. What are you using on the iPad? What's that? What app are you using on the iPad? I use Amaziograph. Okay, that sounds. And I use Procreate. Okay, that's what I use. Yeah, Procreate's great. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yes. I'm very, I'm very much into the Photoshop. You do have street (laughs) Photoshop. I like Photoshop, but Procreate is easier. Yeah. So it's different every time. Sometimes I have things that clients are like, well, what do you want to do? And I go, I'd like to do this. And they're like, sure, put it on me. And that's great. I have about, you know, 50 to a hundred mandalas at any given time of sacred geometry of things I want to do. Mendy, which is decorative Indian patterns. Um, and, you know, all kinds of drawings that are in my arsenal of like things I bring to conventions or guest spots when I'm tattooing, patterns for days. Um, and also it's it's walk-in, so you're drawing on the spot. You're creating something for them when they just give you the idea and you draw it. Or otherwise it's also, I want to get this tattooed on my left wrist and, you know, it's a black triangle. Okay, well, we just do it all in process. As far as that goes, I think um, when I started tattooing, I had time to draw every night and... Sometimes I would draw and like let you look at your design and you would give me some feedback and then we'd set the appointment and then we were ready to go. Now it's different when you become busier and you're working 10 hour shifts every day. Um, I have less time to draw. So what happens over the years though too is what you develop is your confidence to draw on skin. Sometimes I've learned that working on two dimensional surfaces on a flat plane no longer translates when you get the person in front of you. Um, so that your you, you, that stencil's great or the artist, you know, we want to make changes to scale or the, say you spend two to three hours drawing this drawing at home before your client gets the tattoo the next day. Well, they may come in and want it changed and that may take some time. One simple change may not always take five minutes. One simple drawing, one large drawing, doesn't always take 15 minutes. This is where that that perception on TV is, hold on, let me just draw your portrait real quick and I'll get you in 15 minutes or less and we finish this in one sitting. That is a fallacy. That is not how, that's all contrived and edited. That's not real tattooing. That's not real time anything. Sometimes you got to go in, you got to wait for some availability. You know, you get tattooed. Other times, if you don't want to wait, you don't want to walk in, you make an appointment. So we're drawing we're stenciling and we're doing drawing on skin. I prefer to draw in session. That means before you get tattooed by me, you come in and you tell me your ideas. 
I like to sit down with you in person and discuss them, meet you, see your body type, see what you're looking to get covered up. A lot of times it's like, I need a cover up. What do I do with this? We have to see what's going on. I have scars. I need to cover them up. I do a lot of scar cover-ups, a lot of mastectomies, all those things. You have to see the body. You need to talk to the person. It's important you hear their story. It's important that you listen to what they want um, because it could be a very healing, transformative thing that they're trying to do, and they may be terrified. So it's our job to make them comfortable, to make them feel open, to not be afraid, to not judge them um, for their, you know, idea. Um, it's important that you make eye contact and that you're kind and, you know, you, you show up, you're, you be responsible, be on time, you know, make an effort, um, listen to their idea and try to translate as best as you can. Sometimes it doesn't always work because they just don't know, right? Like they just don't know it can be, can't be done that small. So you got to explain to them the process of what can work and what can't. And you got to explain, um, all those things. And I prefer to do that in session on a person. Sometimes I'm drawing on skin and I'm moving them around and we're having a dialogue. That way I'm not guessing from emails and photos that you've sent me because everybody sends like 10 or 15 images and they love right. the first three, but it's that fifth one that they were really attached to, but they didn't mention that in their email type of thing. So you have to, it's better to communicate with your client. Right. You know, email's great and all the things, but when it comes down to it, you got to sit down and talk to them. It's a human connection. And then they can see what you're doing in the space that you're doing it in. If you get a vibe for the shop, you can see if you're really into this or not. Because if you're going to shop around for a sleeve or a back piece, you're going to spend a lot of hours with this person. And you're going to, you're going to suffer for that. You're going to, you're bleeding. It's a lot of tattoo time. You know, you, you're bonding, you're getting, you're touching this person. You have a, a, a relationship. Not only are you, are you trying to understand them as people, but you're trying to express their creative outlet. You're trying to do for them what they cannot do. So it's an ultimate creative par partnership where you're both sacrificing like to the tattoo God, so to speak, like this end result is going to be harmonious, whether it's what I like, it's what you like. But at the end of the day, I, I don't always have a prescribed drawing. Sometimes I have three or four or five and they don't want any of them. Sometimes they, I have a drawing ready and they're like, this is perfect. Or they're like, but I want to change this a little. And I have this great idea. And suddenly we have a cooler piece and I'm like, that's fantastic. Let's talk about that. And let's see how we can get all that together. And it's, it's better to do in process because I don't have necessarily all the time outside of, you know, my full-time work job to, to do all this right. because we, we forget that just because I'm a tattooer, I, I, I'm a real person. I have I have responsibilities just like everyone else after their day job, you know, and, and we try to fit it all in there. And, and yes, nine times out of 10, I am up till two and three in the morning, painting, drawing, doing all the things, making salve, making labels, doing Photoshop, all the things I'm doing all those things still. So it's, it's like a process where it changes every time. How much caffeine do you drink? So much. <laughs> I drink so much coffee. I'm learning how to replace my coffee intake with matcha green tea. Wow. Does that have caffeine? It still does, but I don't drink as much coffee and it, okay. it leaves me a little bit more energized and it's not as much sugar. And so I'm I, sorry, I've also, I, I checked out after I don't want to drink coffee. Yeah. 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 I love we both coffee. have coffee. A lot of coffee. I love coffee. I drink too much of it though. I think it's okay for you. Every two years they say it's either good for you or bad for you. I think we're in a good, yeah, we're in a good, <laughs> we're in a good year. We're like a leap year. rising on coffee. <laughs> So how about proudest moments? Like you, you, you've bucketed all this very nicely for a lot of people. I think people are being very inspired and, and the way you approach it, the, the reverence 
you have to have some really standout moments, uh, career highlights. Yeah. Um, I think my favorite part of being a tattooer is sitting down meeting different people from every aspect of life. You're seeing every person from all walks of life. What do we, what do we want to do? How do we want to express ourselves? Well, one way you do that is through a tattoo. So everybody thinks they're unique and special and all these things, right? When we all are, right? But we all have our unique view of how we see art and how we want it on our bodies. And I like meeting new people. And I think that the, the most reward that I found over tattooing is the scar covering and mastectomy tattoos. Any time I can cover a scar for someone, whether it's um, a scar that is, is received from an injury that was traumatic or a cutting scar or suicide or surgery, um, these are my favorite moments where I can take those challenges that I've learned through cover-ups and the healing process of that and, and give these people a tattoo so they can take a traumatic experience and turn it into something beautiful that can transmute all that pain and all that suffering and make it something beautiful again. It's something that you have control over despite of what happens to you. You have a choice to respond to it and how you creatively express that on your body. And tattooing is so cathartic. It's healing. Because imagine this, guys. What is more sacred than saying, I am this person. I have a body. I want to express myself. How can I do that? Despite my clothes, despite my language, despite my words, I can tattoo this on myself. So this is something that's been doing, we've been doing for centuries. It's a mark that you're suffering for, that you're bleeding for. It's beautiful. Beauty is on the same continuum as love. So when we have this creative process of suffering through something terrible and we can put a mark on ourselves and we can heal it, well, then you're transcending something so, you know, something that is traumatic that can, that you're not happy with and you can improve your self-esteem. So it's very traumatic for a woman to lose her breasts. What do you replace it with? You know, we don't always think that, you know, we may not always have what we have. Our body is very fragile. And if we can use it as a way of artistic means of expression, then go for it. Um, our body is a temple. Look at the Vatican. People say, oh, my body's a temple. I don't want to mess it up with art. Have you seen the Vatican? It's everywhere. Art is expression. Art is love. Art is beauty. And there is no right and there is no wrong. And I say whatever you can do to harness that into your life, into your body, into your soul, then do it. And if tattooing makes you happy and makes you feel more alive and more beautiful and more whole and complete, which it does when it comes to those kinds of things, then this is our job. This is how we transmute suffering through art and beauty. And I'd say that my double mastectomy tattoos are the most challenging and rewarding because those women have been through so much and you as a tattooer, maybe having a bad day, but when those people are in your chair, you realize life is so short, precious. Your body is a temple. Your body is precious. You are precious and you hear their stories and it completely changes you. You know, you completely let go of yourself and your issues and your worries and your mundane problems, because here are people that are really dealing with serious problems and they have come to you to get their self-worth and identity back and like reclaim their, their, take their power back. And that is something that we have a lot of responsibility to do as tattoo artists, to give that back to people and like make that a good experience. So my client, Terry from P Inc, I tattooed her double mastectomy, 
note and she did not choose to put her breasts back on. She's my favorite client because that woman sat for eight hours, almost nine hours one day to get a chest piece with her husband and she suffered for it and she took it on and I continued to tattoo her after that. And she's one of the most amazing people, strongest people I have ever encountered in my life. And her to see her and her husband and him supporting her during that tattoo was probably the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. She cried during the thing. We laughed. I heard her story. Um, she was crying through emotional pain, physical pain. We were laughing at one point. I, I actually fixed all of like the itching that was from her port, from the surgery, because she had some nerve damage and some itching because it moved. So we tattooed it over the scar and we got it to calm down. And after that, it, there was no more itching left over the scar. It was something that like plagued her since it happened. Just, I don't even know how to tell you how you've transformed like just this small part of me. The same thing is with like scars for, for suicide and cutting. I've done several sleeves of those and and you can't see the you cannot see the scars. And these women were tank tops again. And that's, that's just really cool. I, I gotta say, this is the most human episode we've done, Jed. I think. I, I think because <laughs> well, I mean, because a lot of folks, there's a a gap between their craft and the audience. Mm. You know, but you, it, it's right. nothing. It's contact. There, there's there is no buffer. You know, some yeah. people are making things over here and then they send it out in the world and they get feedback sometimes, maybe whatever, but you, it's the feedback loop isn't, is, uh, atoms, you know, that's amazing. I also think it's really, well, I think I applaud you for, um, how meaningful you, you think of every sort of tattoo that you've done is like, it, it could be like the story you just told, which is, uh, incredibly impactful, but it also could be something tiny. Like you mentioned a, a little triangle or something like that, but you are really non-judgmental, which I think is, um, pretty awesome, you know, because you, you're obviously recognizing that in some way this is precious to somebody. And the fact that it's artwork, the way that you described it being like the Vatican was really interesting to me too, because it's a, a place of beauty and reverence. Yes which is decorated by some of the greatest art ever. And you're, it's just a really, really meaningful uh, sort of um, commentary. It also goes, we, we wrote an article, a blog post about, we, we've explored the word craft, but in these other, other industries like craft brewing, craft distilling and craft washing basically. But like, this is the craft. Yeah. You hone it as you go. You know, it's like, how do you learn from trial and error? Sometimes you learn by not knowing right. you're in uncharted territory because skin is skin. And sometimes right. people are in different levels of health, consciousness, physicality. So you're learning on the spot. You know, you're learning as you go. And well, I mean, just how much you care, oh, just how much you've expressed mm -hmm. and, and sort of researched, uh, devoted yourself to the craft and how you're going out and sort of espousing it a little bit just so maybe people can do it right and have respect for it. Yeah. I think that's what's the key. Well, I think that's the disconnect is how do we take our past and link it with our present so that we can have a better future for all of us. Um, it's been getting watered down lately. And so, you know, it's, I think it's important that everyone in tattooing in your own state, learn who your community is, learn the other shops that are around. And it's, we don't have to be enemies. We can be 
friends and peers and inspire each other. And a lot of us are already because we're all in this together. It's no sense to be jealous of this person or that person or be jealous because they're booked or they are not. If you want, if, you, if you're hungry, you'll work for it. If you don't have clients, draw, draw, draw into paint. If you're not busy, keep making artwork until you are. Go out there, promote yourself, go meet people, go to concerts, go to festivals, pass out your cards. But be out there, be present. And, and, and if you're not, then work at it. Like find your best social friend who's like the social butterfly and help them bring you out of their shell. Go to the shops, meet these people. I mean, we're all in this together. We shouldn't be competing. There's plenty of skin to tattoo. There's plenty of cover-ups. And I think that we're stronger as a community, not divided by ego and semantics. I think it's important that we, we stop judging each other for our race, our sex, our status in life. Because at the end of the day, we're just tattooers who want to make art. It's fine artists, tattooers, same thing. Everything that tattooers kind of miss about tattooing, how, oh, it's, you know, there's no more history anymore. No one appreciates the, no one appreciates the old school tattooers and everything's getting watered down. Well, the same thing's happening in the fine art world, guys. The same commercialism. Everything's happening. Everything can get watered down, but it's how you make it. It's what you do every day. And as long as you do it your best in the most honest way that you can by giving your clients sincere feedback, like I can't put this on you this large because in 20 years, it's going to look bad. I care about what it looks like in 20 years. We're all still going to be here, God willing. I care about that. So you just, you're providing a service that is so important that because it can, it can change your life and it can bring beauty back as much as it can bring judgment. But that is also an experience that I think is important. So if you have that negative experience, try to transcend it. And how, what did you learn from it? How did you grow? And if you're treated poorly as a tattoo person or not, try to try to bring the positive to it. Try to find a better way to integrate with people in a more human level. Because we're all just human at the end of the day. We have the same stories and everybody thinks they're alone. But when they're in my chair and they tell me the story, a lot of people have a lot of the same stories. And I, I go, hey, friend, you're not alone. I got 10 more stories that'll, that are so much, you know, you know, worse or interesting. We're like, that's fine. And then you bond and then you meet people and then you just realize we're all human and we all just like the same things, you know? It's a cool dynamic. I mean, it really, it, it really is the way I knew. I, I'm, it's interesting because everybody's different to your point and not every tattooer is the same either. So yes. they don't have this, they don't all have the same perspective as you do. No. So it's just, it's interesting. Um, I feel like let, let's get into one more thing that we haven't got into yet, which is um, you've created um, a business, a line of products also that are about tattoo care and skin care. And like, let's just talk about how that came about and what it is. Right. Oh, yes. So a few years back, I got Lyme disease. And so I took it upon myself to um, start studying about what it's like to be healthy and kind of heal myself through all of the medical mishaps that I've experienced over the years. And so that was like a wake up call to be healthier, more conscious. Um, and so I decided to just really start looking into more holistic means of um, healing meditation, yoga. I changed my diet. I started eating organically, improving my health. And along with this came um, kind of reactions I was having to chemicals um, on my skin. Uh, so I realized I was developing allergies to the, some of the 
products I was using for tattoos, um, particularly petroleum-based products. So Sacred Solutions is my natural skincare company and tattoo aftercare company that I started basically just for myself. I was just, I wanted a, an alternative to the petroleum-based products on the market that were safe, um, organic, um, that I, I, I knew where the ingredients were sourced from, um, if I could find that, um, and also something that I wouldn't react to for, for my allergies. Um, so I, I started making tattoo aftercare and researching um, Native American plant medicine um, and just uh, essential oils and started, you know, because I, I, I'm out in nature, I hike, I'm very passionate about nature and it's kind of, it's how I developed this love of plants. And so I started making it and just trying it on my clients. And little by little, they're like, what is that? That's really nice. That smells really good. If something's different, it feels better than, than this normal stuff that you're using. And it just kind of evolved. to. A, and I just wanted to make something handmade that was organic, chemical-free, with essential oils, with ingredients that you could pronounce. And, and to... to not only teach other people how to heal themselves, but give them options if, they, if they're allergic to the chemicals right. that may be on your shelves in the grocery stores or whatever. Because I do know a lot of people that do have reactions. So it was like a challenge to me. How can I make something that can put on your skin that you can tattoo into it for all my friends that are allergic to everything, even lavender? So it became this thing that just kind of evolved. And I was, it's just a hobby of mine. It was, I was passionate about it. And I just I like making things. So it kind of evolved to the point where I was getting such a demand for it. I couldn't, I was just, I was just making it and giving it away and it got too expensive. And then I was like, oh, this is really catching on. So I, I tried to think, okay, this is really happening. So I started, you know, selling it in my shop and there was an interest. So I said, okay, I never intended to be a business owner, but let's do this. I really want to teach people how to heal themselves and maybe they can teach them to do it themselves or in a more mindful way. So I developed a limited liability corporation and I just kind of opened a Etsy and website and got my friends from, you know, college to help me with that. And I and I just started making skincare. And the next step was, well, you have all these ideas and research and recipes that I've been search, researching for years before I ever started any of this. Just um, by growing up in the country. And um, so how do I put that into play and be legitimate about it? So I thought, okay, I got to find a space to make it. So I found a space. In a, um, right now I'm in a, a, a community-based kitchen, Be More Kitchens. It's a community-shared kitchen space with you know, all the things you need to run a professional business. That's the way of the world right now. There's maker spaces and tons of great things happening in those. I'm just in awe again, as usual. Yeah. So I guess they come it's in. It's right down the like, street. But I, I go home and I try to catch up on some TV show. Yeah. Game of Thrones. Yeah. So I'll yeah. Call it up. It's, Do you watch TV? <laughs> I, 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 I don't. I'm really, I have Netflix. Um, I don't have cable set up in my house. Um, I listen to music a lot. Sometimes I'll listen to Netflix. I don't have time for TV. I like podcasts and documentaries. I love listening to podcasts while I... Well, we've got like, a podcast for you. Yeah, uh, I really can't do. wait for y'all's <laughs> questions. You I, probably have tons. And, you know, I don't sleep much and I don't have many days off, but it's okay. I love what I do. Well, this seems like a natural outcropping of the first 50 <laughs> minutes of what you talked about. So I'm not shocked that you, you, you've yeah. kind of come upon this or, or you're, you're having success doing it or... or yeah or enjoying doing it, you know? So, um, I, I think this is the second show in a row that I haven't been able to do my little yeah. creative house spiel because I think you nailed all of them. I mean, if we go back, <laughs> you, you pretty much laid them all out. I think people just have to 
they're not going to have me hold their hand and go, here's the creative house. They're just going to have to, they'll be looking, they'll be able to look at the show notes. Yeah. After we, we write them. Yeah. But I think you did a, a great job just explaining the spiritual part of it. And then some tactical parts of it, some very practical how to's of just getting up and running, which was like the, I think it's really important. And I noticed a note to young artists and artists alike, and not even young. I think people say, how do you do what you do? I say, do what makes your heart, you know, sing, do what you love. Because if you do with you what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And I think it's really important that no matter what people say, if you love it and that's your passion, you find a way to do it. And the payoff might not be there, but 10 years it might be. So I tell people, regardless of what your friends, your family and your coworkers think, if you hate that job, quit it. Find your passion or find a way to keep that job and get the money coming in so that you can fund your artwork and do that. But the thing is to never quit, to do it every day, something, two or three steps towards that goal every day, not one day, but with the hope of, I'm going to do something with this. It's okay if you're not in anyone else's timeline. Flowers take a long time to blossom. You're not going to win right out of the gate. You're going to have a lot of failures. So despite the failures, just keep going no matter what. Just keep going. That's why I tell people, like, that's the only way you're going to do it. All in or nothing, you know, and follow your heart and don't give up. You know, negativity on the artistic career is always something that you're going to struggle with. Every artist struggles with this. We all have these struggles. But it's how it's what you do with it and how you come out of it. It's it's a it's a roller coaster, and so as long as you follow that and don't give up, no matter what, it will pay off. You will be a success. But in your way, it's your path. It's no one else's. Art is your path. It's the only place where we can be us, despite what society tells us to do. So as long as everyone believes that and keeps doing that, then we're all going to make this place a better place. Well said. Inspiring. So what's next? So what's next? More tattooing. Um, I tattoo every day. I don't know. Almost every day. Um, I want to eventually get my skincare business to a point where I can maybe one day have a storefront to make more product so that I can also, you know, find ways to give it away for free and change the world and do that too. It's not always about money. I didn't start it for money. Um, and I just want to keep tattooing till my fingers fall off. Like, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I just want to make paintings and make tattoos and meet more people and, you know, teach people about, you know, ways to heal themselves and be more mindful. And I would like to travel the world more. I want I definitely want to go back to Rome. I want to go back to Amsterdam. I want to go back to Japan. I have plans to go to Hawaii. Um, I, I just want to find ways to travel the world and also tattoo and still, you can still find me at the Baltimore Tattoo Museum as well. So great. Awesome. Sean, it's time. You gotta get in the chair. Uh, if you ever want one. We have a contact. Tattoo, you know? We have a contact. Well, that's a that's a no-brainer. It's you know? yeah, it's just I mm, when it's for you, it's harder. Right? It is to think it's, conceptually. No, yeah. I'm not saying I need yeah. to design it. I'm just I mean, I, I have an idea of what I, the more meaningful things in your life, obviously you, you kind of gravitate to those, but uh I think we're close. Something scotch related? (laughs) (laughs) Even more important than that. Yeah, no. That's good. So you just mentioned uh, Baltimore Tattoo Museum, Mm -hmm. where to find you. How about your personal brand? What are some of the websites and Instagram handles and things that people can uh, 
you know, definitely look you up. Oh, yes, I have. Um, my Instagram is Jackie underscore tattoos. I also have a Facebook page and an Instagram um, as well for Sacred Solutions. Um, uh, the Sacred Solutions, we also have an Etsy page. Um, so if you go on to Etsy and you you put in Sacred Solutions LLC under the health and beauty, you can find all the products that are there for sale. I have a website, but it'll, it'll, it will forward you to the Etsy right now because we're restructuring. We just got into a new space. So I'm, I'm, I'm gearing up the inventory, this one woman army here. <laughs> Great. Um, That's awesome. So, Great. Yeah. And, uh, um, and you can, uh, Find us at the Baltimore Tattoo Museum. I work Wednesday through Sundays. Nice. Great. Well, thanks for coming by. I'm I'm super inspired, and and I, I really appreciate how thoughtful you are about your craft. Oh, thank you so much. It was so fun being a part of this. I love talking about art. Thank you, Jackie. That was awesome. Thank you. Well, I really think most artists care about their craft and their art, but Jackie really took it to another level. I took away connection, and that was connection to the past and the history of tattooing, connection to our clients, and just that connection to overall empathy and what the motivation for this person to come in and get a piece of art in the most personal way on their body. You can't look past that. As an artist, sometimes you got to put aside your ego and just hear out your client and achieve and help them maybe cope in some ways with, with some things they have going on. Anyway, check out show notes, creativehowpodcast.com. Like us on and follow us on Instagram and Twitter, Creative How Pod. And as always, Jed. Well, as always, Sean, smash the like. And also, don't be shy about ratings and reviews. And also send in any suggestions you want for me to get a tattoo. Ooh, that's a cool idea. Hey, Jed, did you hear our kick-ass intro music? Shockingly, that's out of our technical wheelhouse here at Creative How. That type of sick sound design is a White Noise Lab original. White Noise Lab is a music composition and sound design studio that works with agencies, production companies, and brands on projects for film, broadcasts, interactive websites, corporate videos, video games, and experimental projects. The chances that that movie trailer you just saw on you know YouTube that's probably a white noise lab original more often than not. So whether you're looking to fulfill your sound design needs or simply need someone to collaborate with on an experimental project or maybe an experimental podcast, check out whitenoiselab.com. That's whitenoiselab.com.